Like many of you, I'm curious about several topics, and what better way to learn than to speak directly with the people who have the answers that you're looking for? My name is Costa. Welcome to Founder Views. That's what this channel is all about. You're going to hear me pick the brains of thought leaders, CEOs, politicians, and business experts about subjects that I'm thinking about or working on at any given time. From economics, business, real estate investing, Bitcoin, lifestyle, politics, and much, much more. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. Matt, welcome to the Founder Views podcast. Really excited to, to speak with you today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Matt. I'm pumped. Good, good. So, you know, I was excited to speak to you because you you obviously appear to be very active in real estate, helping others, uh, but, you know, investing in your own stuff, of course, which you, you talk about. Uh, but more specifically with uh, short-term Airbnb rentals. Um, so, you know, I've been very active myself uh, in, in, you know, in the real estate investing market right now and just exploring different strategies to investing. Um, and that's one of the beautiful things I've found about real estate investing. Like there's literally an infinite number of ways to invest uh, depending on the individual. So it could be a good investment for one person, could not be for the other, but there's no right or wrong uh, strategy. But uh, one that uh, piqued my interest as of late is this short-term Airbnb strategy. So I was hoping just to pick your brain a bit and learn from your experience and hopefully bring value to others listening to as well. Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with it. So that's good. <laughs> nice. So, okay. So this should be good. Um, so do, do you share information about your own personal investments at all? Yeah, I feel like, well, I mean, you got to walk the walk, right? So um, I will openly share, I won't share an address, I won't share details like that, yeah. but I'll share what my actual numbers look like. Um, and then, you know, if that peaks, if that's enough to peak interest, people reach out and I'll share more. Um, but I think just what these things can earn um, is, is more than enough to really peak someone's interest. Like it's, it's insane the the response I get when I'm sharing this information, um, and I couldn't, I don't doubt them because you know there's a, it's just relative like you know um, comparing to traditional rentals and especially in Toronto with the cap rates we have here, when you see numbers like that on Airbnb in Toronto, it's gonna pique your interest. Yeah, that's why it piqued my interest as well when you see some of these numbers and. Uh, obviously what people share and what's reality, I'm not saying, saying I haven't even seen what, what you've shared, but, um, you know, it, it, I just really want to speak to someone who's actually doing it boots on the ground. Um, how many investments are you listing on Airbnb right now? Well, I have, I have my Toronto condo and then I have my investment in Florida. Oh, okay. Um, that's just, it's just being, um, designed right now. So I should, we plan on having a live October 1st. It's now September fifth, so pending no delays with furniture and everything. But um, I have three properties in total. Um, one is just a traditional. But once I've seen the the potential through Airbnb, and I'm very well networked within the Airbnb space, so a lot of my mentors and uh, other people that I talk to on a daily are way at a much higher level than I am with Airbnb. You know, running you know 100, 100 plus units and. Wow. Um, being able to see their numbers and their stats so consistently, it's all I really want to do right now. 
is just that I I'm, I'm, don't want to deal with tenants, you know, the, the landlord tenant board, uh, everything that can come with that, professional renters, you know, you hear the horror stories. So if there's a way that you can make more money and avoid those stressors, why not? Interesting. Yeah, I love that. See, this is a beautiful thing about investing. Like you speak to another investor who will say the total opposite about Airbnb and why they love the other side. So it's it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Um, so you mentioned some, but what are, what are some of the reasons other than the numbers, I guess, that drew you to Airbnb investing? If there's any other reason, maybe the numbers is, is all it takes. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a. It's a, from start to finish, it's a fun game, you know, like purchasing the unit with that whole like vision in mind. It's exciting. I know, you know, you can buy anything, you buy a house in general, you're excited, but the flexibility you have, you know, you, you, you design it the way you want. Um, between each booking, you have your cleaners in there, cleaning it, uh, restoring it to its perfection. You know, uh, if there is any damages, you know, right away versus waiting that year for that, that lease to come up, you know, you go and do your inspection with the tenant. And you find a bunch of shit and then, you know, good luck even going after them for any of those, those, uh, repairs and stuff. Right. So being able to go into the unit in between each booking, keeping it well-maintained and then also having the flexibility to use it yourself. If you want to, yeah. I want to use my condo next week, pending it's not booked. I just reserve those days. I block them off so no one can book them and I go and use my own space. Yeah. Right? You yeah. have that, that flexibility. And the other thing I love too is there are any damages or someone does want to because people are like oh people throw parties you know it's going to get destroyed okay if they want to do that they're going to get charged we have all their information on file we have their credit cards you put a you know you put a, a claim in with airbnb they're really good at looking at the situation and if it's clearly the the uh, damage is clearly the result of the guest they're going to get charged for the amount and i've been through that and i've and i've gotten all, all the money back for the damages, right? Yeah. So, um, good luck with, with a tenant. It's tough. It's tough. I mean, there are cooperative tenants. There are, but then there's tenants that are not. They don't want to pay you. Good luck evicting them. That's you a know, good point you know, about the. You have their uh, information on file. So if there's damages, that's all part of the Airbnb agreement, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. And what we do is like, I, so I had a. I'll just tell a story. Please. When I first started running, I've been doing this since 2019. Um, so a lot of trial and error, but when I first opened up my, uh, my condo, we had booked it to a out of town guest who was 19. She was coming from Richmond Hill. Mm -hmm. If you're most familiar with Richmond Hill, yeah. it's not that far. Um, now we know like, yeah, that's a clear indicator. 19 year old coming to the city, probably going to go out, probably going to party, probably might continue the party yeah. at the Airbnb, right? She ended up having a 20 person banger and you know, there's, uh, killed my drywall. She was, she's like slammed my sliding doors, cracked the drywall. Jeez. Shelves came out, like ripped the shelves off my walls. I believe they were twerking because there was footprints on the <laughs> wall. And, and the wow. Only thing that made sense was like these girls went upside down and I started twerking. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then they threw a bottle of tequila off the off the balcony. So Jeez. we we got her for everything. Again, we had all of our information. We we got we got all the damages back. We just went in, took pictures, sent this claim in, and we were good. But now moving forward, what we do is we vet all the guests. So we have a certain age restriction. Yeah. Uh, we also ask for a security deposit. So we, uh, we try and, you know, really um, avoid, we try our best to avoid that kind of situation. And I've never had that happen yet. So, so luckily, 
on wood. Yeah. Again, I'm only running the market. That's crazy. It, it's hard to imagine a worse like situation than that one. I mean, I mean, I'm sure yeah. you could get worse, but still, that's pretty. That's pretty crazy. What? How's the claims process like? So, I, like, you send pictures, but what if the the guest like uh, claims against it, saying you know it was like that before or whatnot? How does Airbnb handle the situation if if the guest like fights back on what you're claiming? Well, we have a bunch of photos, so we have uh, you know, like my property manager runs everything, so I'm very actually very hands off, and I believe that they make note of the condition of the property before. In the event that that does happen, so we have proof. Like, no, oh, here's our yeah. cleaners; they were just in there. Here's what everything looked like. Yeah, right. So it's pretty well, tough to uh, dispute it, basically. Yeah, it's like okay, here's the day before you came in. Here's everything yeah. as it was before you came in, right? Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. That's that's a good story. Um, how much in damages was that? We got two thousand dollars. Nice. Okay. So obviously, location is you know, one of the most important things in real estate investing in general, but with Airbnb investing, is there anything specific you look for in regards to location with, with Airbnb? Yeah. The way you look at Airbnb is more of a hospitality business, right? Like you want to be close to right. amenities, you want to be close to attractions, whether that's an airport, um, convention center, um, a beach, and anything of wherever you are, anything in your area that would attract someone to want to visit. Mm. So you got to have come from a, an approach of like hospitality, right? You can't just look at it like, Oh, I'm this intersection. Like the guests, when they're booking on Airbnb, they don't book the address. They just book, they get a general location of where it's located. You know, yeah. clearly they're coming on, they're traveling with plans in mind. They're going to want to be situated close to what they're planning on doing. So being at the center of a lot of things is, is something to definitely look for when you're scouting for a property. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. So look at it like a hotel, like hospitality location wise. Uh, what about in Toronto though? Like, um, condos restrict a lot of Airbnb, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, there are, there are condos that allow it mm -hmm. We're built into the, um, like the declaration, the condo corporation, like their rules, this STR of short-term rentals is allowed. Then you have the buildings that don't allow it. And I would not suggest trying in those buildings because chances are you're probably going to get caught. Um, I mean, people still do it. Uh, people have their ways of doing it, but it's just, it's more so for your own mental health. Like you want to go to bed every night, just wondering like, shit, am I ever going to get booked? Someone ever going to catch me? So I would highly advise, and I help my clients all the time, just we go into the buildings that allow it. And, um, and it's easy, smooth sailing from there, right? Do, do you ever worry about the building uh, that allows it now in the future changing the rules? Is that a risk factor for you? Something we think about all the time, but a lot of the owners, a lot of the people in that, those buildings are running Airbnb. So if, if you need a mass vote mm. to get rid of Airbnb, you're not, you're not dealing with a lot of end users. You're dealing with a lot of investors. And chances are they're probably going to vote to keep it right yeah. because a lot of them are in those buildings um if you're in a building that's full of end users families uh younger families whatever you whatever you have it yeah sure they might overrule but in these cases a lot of these buildings are just packed with investor savvy yeah. users and most likely you're gonna never really want to vote for uh to get rid of it if you have to but yeah 
I was just if, if you're at the ballpark, it, um, how many buildings would you say allow it versus not allow it in Toronto? Uh, there's you gotta you gotta call each property management. There's I'd say like around twenty plus between twenty and thirty that allow it at different capacities. Mm. You know, some allow only thirty day plus rentals, like the shortest yeah. term you can have is for like twenty eight days. That's the shortest term you can have, but you can do a month to month rental if you want, and it's, and it's allowed. So if you have someone traveling for work or whatever, you want to continuously just book up your unit on Airbnb, minimum twenty eight nights stays. You can do it. Other buildings allow it, you know, um, short term under anything less than 28. So one night, two nights, three nights. Um, each, each building is unique. There's, once you take that big number, that list of buildings, you're going to narrow it down to, you know, a handful that are like the highest in returns. And those are the ones that we focus on. Yeah. Makes sense. What, what's your, do you have a sweet spot with how, uh, you rent them out? Like by week, weekend, or just whatever. So another thing with Toronto that people must know is they have regulations that they in, um, implemented in 2020. So essentially the complaint was that, you know, for the rental market, uh, for example, a lot of, uh, potential units were now taken off the market for the long-term renters because people are using them for Airbnb. Mm -hmm. So, um, what, what the, the city did was they put a, a regulation in place to limit number one, make it difficult for people to, to do Airbnb. If you know, it, it can sound scary up front and be like, gosh, I don't want to deal with that to try and bring more long-term units to, to the market. And then, um, so essentially what it is, is you can only short term. So short term defined as 28 days or less for 180 days out of the year. Mm. The other 180 days, you have to long term, which is defined as 28 days or more. So what we do is so obviously the winter months, not really attracting many people here. Um, that's when we, we do the longer term rentals. And in the summer months, when we have all the events, we have the caravanas, we have the, the Toronto film festivals, we have the, the car shows, anything that's going to attract tourists, that's when we have the short-term rental on. And that's when you're netting all your profits, essentially. Yeah, I, I wanted to get into that. Can you repeat that again? So 180 days out of the year, you have to rent less than 28 days? Uh, it's up to you, but that's the max. The max you can, you can short-term rent it. So one night stays, two night stays, three night stays, four night stays. The max you can do that for is for up to 180 days. 180. Okay, got it. Once you reach that max in your unit, you can only rent for 28 days or more. So if you want to get someone like in the winter months, we get someone in there, uh, executive rentals for month, months at a time. Some guys will look for three months, some for two months, usually it's for work and whatever. Yeah. Um, the returns are much less, but we have to abide by the laws. We have to do that. Another main thing that helps that that's hard for people to scale in Toronto specifically. So when I say Toronto, I'm talking about GTA. If you want to go and do this in Muskoka, you're clear. This is just Toronto rules. Um, it has to be your primary residence. Hmm. So you have to have the, the, the address has to match your driver's license, the address on your driver's license. So, so you're I wanted to go to under my name. Yeah, I can't, I can only be primary at one residence. Oh, right? I see. Okay. I didn't know yeah. that. So that's just in the city of Toronto. So you can only have one is this just for condos or even residential, everything? Well, or, yeah, okay. Wow, okay. Anything in Toronto. Yeah, anything 
same with the Toronto address. As soon as you leave Toronto, then the, you know those rules don't apply. Each city and town will have their own rules or laws against Airbnb, if any. Um, you know, it's banned in, in many places. Uh, some places allow it. So there's always a level of due diligence to do before buying any property. Uh, I'm just talking, I'm speaking out to Toronto right now, but there are parts, you know, cottage country is huge for Airbnb. There are attractive uh, or, or um, popular spots in the cottage country that don't allow it, but then there are spots that do. Yeah. Okay. That, that's interesting. That's a good, I didn't, I didn't know the details on that. Um, so one of the, the negatives or cons I can see with Airbnb rentals, and you mentioned it specifically in Toronto, even like all of Canada, I guess, but like high demand in the summer, low demand in the winter, you know, typical scenario. Like are, are those peak seasons in the summer making up for the down seasons? Oh yeah. 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 And when, when COVID hit, so like I said, I started my unit in 2019, COVID hit, took a shit kicking. Can I say shit here? <laughs> of course. We took a shit kicking that year because obviously the pandemic, no one's traveling and we had no idea what to expect. Right. So, um, and that plus the regulations came out. So it was, it was, yeah. it was, I stopped as a realtor with my investors. I stopped promoting everything because I had no idea where it was headed. Wow. I, I took off the gas. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to pitch this anymore. Cause I'm not, I'm not confident. Now that everything is back and I'm hoping it's here to stay, I can confidently get my investors involved in and I am because I'm showing them my numbers. I'm actually, I'm not just coming out of, I'm not coming from a place of like, I think you'll do well. I'm coming from places like here, you're going to yeah. do well, right? So the summer months, yes. To answer your question, it's been insanely profitable. So can, can you give like, I don't know, last year, just rough like income expenses, like profit on your unit? So last year was another, we, we last year I think we profited about, I want to say 10 to 12,000 cash flow for the year, um, which is still great. That's really it's good. Still yeah. awesome. Yeah. But it, it was, we had the lockdowns, right? So it wasn't. Mm, that's true, yeah. You know, year. This year, um, again, conservatively, I got to see how the year end looks, but, but just with these summer months alone, I think we're going to be looking at around, you know, 30, anywhere from 30 to 40,000 in cash flow. Really? Wow. One unit. Yeah, so it's been mm. amazing. Um, it, it's exceeded my expectations. And I'll help people with like an analysis prior. We'll run all the numbers. I'll give them like a full like property analysis conservatively, 80% uh, with 80% occupancy, um, like all that stuff. And we can yeah. look at that. And it's likely going to exceed that. Like it's exceeded our expectations, but um, it's good to know upfront, right? Because if you go and get a duplex, you know, let's say Windsor, or like Hamilton or these out outskirts where, you know, where, where it's kind of like the only spots you will cash flow. What are you looking at? Maybe a thousand a month. Yeah, yeah. Like on a good on a good investment cash flow, you know, yeah. five hundred to a thousand bucks. So, right then and there, you know, you're already you're already beating that with an Airbnb in only only six months. That's amazing. I, I would have never yeah. have guessed the cash flow was that much for for a year. Yeah, like I'll, I can share my my the past three months have been so from. Um, June, July, August have been anywhere from uh, six dollars to $9,000 in cash flow wow. after, after everything. And that's straight profit each month. After everything. Month. After everything each month. Wow. Right? Like gross, gross we were doing about 15000 in gross. Yeah. 
per month, you know, anywhere from 12 to 15,000 during the summer mm. months. Crazy. And, uh, yeah. September will still be good as well. Uh, now it's going to start to come down, but yeah, just for summer months alone, we, we've, we've done pretty well. That's amazing. Are, are there any areas specifically in like Ontario or even all of Canada that you, you think can be rented all year round at, at volume? Like Niagara, uh, for example, what do you think of Niagara? There are certain parts. Again, you have to always, it's good to call the city and see which areas because there are, I'm not sure it's, it's in, um, it's relative to like the distance of the falls. There's certain pockets that mm-hmm. aren't allowed, I think, because hotels, right? Um, but there are some pockets that will. Uh, Muskoka, you can run it short term. Um, Wasega does restrict it, I believe. I know the town of Tiny does, but Wasega might. Blue Mountain, they have rules. They have their own laws and everything. Uh, I don't think you can, you can't 365 for annually unless you're grandfathered in. Mm. So if you had purchased in a certain, you know, pocket that had allowed it before, and when you purchased it, you're you're actually you're able to be grandfathered into the 365. Yeah. Blue Mountain's hot because you know in the in the summer you attract people, in the winter you yeah. also attract people. Yeah, that's a good one too. Have you like actively explored a lot of these other areas outside of Toronto? Yeah, Blue Mountain I have. Yeah. Um, with Sega, I have for investors. Uh, Muskoka, I have a bunch of people that, you know, friends that run and, and clients that run out there. I'd, I'd be very interested for myself in the future. Yeah. Um, anything waterfront, really. But you got also got to look at it this way, too. Again, thinking with COVID and lockdowns, cottage country got insanely popular. You know, people started to, all people wanted to do is like, I can work from home. I want an acre. I, I want you know, 100 by 200 foot lot. I don't want to be in a subdivision anymore. So that whole rush has happened. Um, it's still attracting people, but even with lockdowns and, you know, uh, the, the restrictions and, and rules on flying and traveling, some people aren't, weren't able to get on planes, still not able to get on planes. So yeah. their form of a vacation has been to book a cottage somewhere three hours away on the waterfront just to get out of their, the city. So oh, yeah. once, once life really comes back, I don't know how attractive that will be anymore, but I still think like for the summer months, for sure, it's a very big attraction for people to want to go and, you know, go fishing, go just enjoy a weekend at the cottage and, and have the water right there, go boating. Like it, it can, there's a number of, a number of um, uh, attractive things that will still attract people there, but I'm not sure how long, I can, you know, that would work. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, so you, you mentioned it, but, you know, the upkeep on these properties with, with the high turnover, people in and out constantly, just different types of gas. And you, you sort of explained it in more of like a positive way that you're able to go in and check on the, the units more frequently. Um, but I'd imagine just that repairs and just miscellaneous costs are more than traditional real estate investments. Like, uh, what are the typical cost allocations to just repairs and small stuff per month? Um, I know it could be anywhere from, you know, we have to replace, there was a stain on the couch, you have to get a deep plane or we have to replace uh, your toiletries, your, your towels, bed sheets, yeah. things like that. Um, it's a lot more just wear and tear, right? Um, the rug is, uh, got, has five stains on it now, let's just get a new rug. So mm-hmm. property management is really good with that and uh, they'll hit us up. We have a, we all we all chat in a, in a group, and uh, they'll always hit us up. Hey guys, uh, we're in between bookings. We just found this. 
we, we would suggest let's freshen it up, let's get something new in there. Um, but it's like, like any property, you're going to have your wear and tear with a tenant too. At the end of the year, you might have to do it, repaint it, repaint yeah. the baseboards, patch up the walls, like stuff like that. Yeah. On your, on your, um, income statement. So like your projections, what, what's your allocation for that per month? Is it like a few hundred bucks or yeah, a couple hundred bucks? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it gets taken out of your gross. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's not bad. Right. Um, you explained it, it, you sort of alluded it to it as well, but are there any ways to just mitigate those costs by, you know, investing in, let's say, higher quality product or like branding your Airbnb in a certain way to attract higher quality guests and tenants, uh, which in theory should reduce the amount of like repairs and headaches and stuff? I mean, yeah, you could. Like, uh, it depends what works with the the area you're in like in florida for example we're doing a um a theme like designer themed house because that's what works there based on statistics so mm. we're designing a louis vuitton theme because you know in florida though those people love booking like stuff with feature walls so mm. we have like it's 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 colored in like the louis vuitton colors and we're going to call it villa vuitton so it's people booking like this villa vuitton it's it's trendy um I don't know what type of clientele that will bring in. We'll see. Uh, but again, we do have our vetting process, right? So that, yeah. that in itself is our backbone. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to let a bunch of kids into the Louis Vuitton house so they can take pictures <laughs> on Instagram. Right? So, but yeah, I mean, like, if you really want to get, like, catered to a specific demographic, you can. But you're also going to limit yourself with the number of bookings potentially, right? That's true. It, it's funny. I wanted to ask you that as well. But one thing that I can see that's very different with Airbnb rentals compared to uh, traditional real estate investments is, like you just explained, like the marketing and like the creativity that you you could do that you traditionally wouldn't do in a in a normal regular investment, like cool rooms or like you know Louis Vuitton theme. Like you're not going to do that to rent out in like a, a suburban subdivision, yeah. but um, you know, so, so to, to make your, your property attractive and, and stand out, like to, to make someone, um, book your, your place for a getaway, I can, I can see that any, like what spurred that idea? Like how, how do you think about like the creativity aspect? Is it like per location and statistics? Like what statistics would you use to determine that? So you just go with, with, with the trends, right? So like, again, like I have a very good network of highly successful people in this space to do it full time. And according to them, I have to fact check this, but according to them, the algorithm will reward a property for being trendy, for being unique, mm -hmm. right? Uh, people, especially millennials, people of our, our generation, they love to, they want the, the trendy thing. They want to book the cool thing. They want to go on vacation and, and show their friends, like, look where I'm staying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, um, it's 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 important to get a designer like I, I got my toronto unit professionally designed by a designer so if we look at it on airbnb and i think it's you know it, it, the way it's performing is just because of it's a it's attraction like it, it's very yeah. it's a really nice looking unit with the colors and everything being in there so that's what you're doing you want to appeal to people's senses like as a realtor for example if i list a property and i don't stage it and it's just bare it's not gonna, I'm not gonna get as many showings or people to the door as I would with a nice stage property because I know how the consumer works. Like the buyer, like my buyers, for example, they always send me properties. I wanna go see this. And it's always properties that are like amazing photos, look really nice, um, super inviting. So 
But based on what statistics, again, through my network, um, I have good friends at this, this property management team, for example, they run over 120 properties in Miami and they are able to see on the back end how each performs. Yeah. And from their uh, findings, the designer themed homes are outperforming every single other house they have in their inventory. They have a Gucci house, wow. they have a Fendi house, they have a Burberry house. Like they have these homes and they're killing it. So when I hear that, I'm like, okay, let me just let me hop in this, this trend. That's great. I didn't even know that was a thing, like actually themed home, like designer themed homes. Huh? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it, it's just like, if I did that in Toronto, maybe it might do well, but like um, wow. over there, it's, it, it kills it. That's crazy. I, I would never, I never knew that. Uh, I feel like that's like an under overlooked part of Airbnb investing. Like obviously you need like the good photos, but I feel a lot of people go about it the same as a traditional investment, but overlook that that creativity, like something different in the house, like a cool games room or like Louis Vuitton theme, like just something that, that pops and stands out. So you're dealing with a different consumer, right? Like compared to a, a residential um, person renting a house compared to someone with a getaway that wants to have fun and, and all that. So, yeah. Yeah. It, you you got to speak to the area. You got you to yeah. gotta, gotta fit the vibe of wherever you are. I love, I love the Airbnb game because I can, you know, my, my dream is to have all these vacation rentals around the world and, and being able to use them myself. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, it opens up your mind to the potential of what you can do versus just being like, okay, like I live in the GTA, I'm just going to invest in the GTA. Um, obviously there's, there's challenges that come with buying in different countries or cross border, but it just, it, it, it personally excites me. So it's something yeah. I definitely want to tackle and, 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 there's a lot of opportunity in different markets, right? It sounds fun for sure. You, you you mentioned them a few times, but I think you you by the sounds of it, you definitely need a property management company to take care of yeah. any Airbnb rental for sure. So, uh, like, what are the property management companies generally responsible for? Like, what do uh, they do the, exactly? So the the platform presence. So one big thing is your reviews. So the guys I use, they're super hosts. So a super host is someone that's uh, reliable. They have a great reputation. So if I'm a, if I'm booking a Airbnb in Italy and the, uh, the unit I'm looking at has one review has yeah. three stars and the host has like no context, no background. I don't know how comfortable I'll feel with that experience, but if I'm booking a, a you know, a villa in Italy where there are five stars, you have 300 reviews, the host has, you know, all these good things you know, said about them, they're super hosts so that the, yeah. the site will reward them. Right. Yeah. I'd feel much more comfortable booking that. So working with a property management team that has, has had all the experience and credibility, my unit automatically gets posted with a super host with reviews and they're really big on collecting more reviews. So that's one thing. So the presence right off the bat, like I, I feel like we'd have an advantage using property manager. Uh, number two, that, they deal with the guests. So any, they deal with the, the monetary side of things. So the amount per night. So they're constantly watching the markets and adjusting. If for, for example, today's Monday and Wednesday, we have nothing booked yet. They'll start lowering the price just to try and get someone in, you know, it's better to have something than nothing, but they're constantly on. Whereas me, I'm, I'm a busy guy. I don't have time to do that stuff. So that's very valuable to me. Um, being physically there and present, 
meeting the guests, exchanging the keys, all that stuff. I don't have time for it. Hmm. So again, for someone like with my schedule, it's, uh, it's, it's valuable. Um, they set up the cleaning. They, um, they essentially do everything just. So, okay. I, I didn't realize it was, it was like that type of, when I'm thinking property management, I just think, uh, you know, they, they come in, they clean the house, check on things, but they're doing the reviews, the, the adjusting the pricing. Wow. Short-term property management company. Like that's what they specialize in Airbnb. Wow. So <laughs> any recommendations of companies you work with that you want to give a shout out to here? Or? I can shout out Park Place. I work with them. Park Place? Uh, they also, yeah. They're going to be managing uh, my Florida house as well. Are they in and, Canada uh, as well? Yeah. Park Place. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So I'm uh, working very closely with them. Um, I've used other property management in the past, had the worst experience ever. So uh, really? these guys really flawless what they do. So I must uh, big shout out to them always. Are, are you assigned with like a dedicated rep who, who deals with your property all the time? Or? Essentially, not, not necessarily. Like, again, we're put in a group with them. So we have, you know, three to four of their employees that we're constantly communicating with. Um, I don't know who's physically going there to do the key exchange and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm sure they have you know, different runners at different times, yeah. uh, whatever works on our schedule. But all, all I know is I haven't had one noise complaint uh, in like two years. Um, hmm. My first property management team we used, we had a ton of noise complaints. Like <laughs> I got fined like three times. Really? Um, yeah. So they're really on the ball. There's there's certain tools you can use for noise. We have a noise detector inside. It's not, doesn't listen in. It just measures decibels. Yeah. So if the volume in the, in the unit gets above a certain decimal point, we get notified, call them right away. Say, hey, shut down, whatever you're doing. Wow. It's too loud, right? So it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty bulletproof at the moment. That's amazing. So how often do you go to your unit in Toronto then? I haven't seen it. You had never seen it? Oh, I've seen it. It's just not, not in a while. I've, I've had no attention to see it. Really? I've been doing so well. Like for me, I mean, everyone's different. Like, I, I, I still live downtown. Like, I still live in the city, right? Yeah. Uh, it's somewhere else. So, like, I'm, I'm already down here. But if it was my Florida home, for example, yeah, I'd want, I'd probably want to go and use it. So, I might book off a weekend where I go and, and, and stay there. Uh, just personally here, because I already live in the city, there's really no use for me to go and see the unit. Um, we just have it turned on. We're, we're, we've been booked, like, 95% of the time. That's amazing. So just, uh, wow right now yeah so i guess the only times you might have to go in or maybe not is like you have to let's say replace a rug or maybe get a new couch would you even go for that or you trust them to to handle they that do it all. they do all that as well yeah. wow we will purchase obviously but they'll do that wow that's amazing if it's any, any significant which knock on wood i haven't had to deal with in the past year and a half two years um then i'll go in yeah right just to scope it out. Yeah, yeah. So amazing. There's one guy. He uh, locked himself in the bathroom and couldn't get out. I'm not sure how that happened. But he's locked in the bathroom, so the fire department had to come and break my front door down. No way. In order to get him out again, I you know property management dealt with everything. Uh, it's not our fault that he locked himself in there. The locking system works fine. So it was just a pretty funny. Uh, Funny thing, but <laughs> even so, I still I still didn't go there. 
for that. Wow. Okay. What are the general uh, fees for a service like this? Is it a percentage 20%. or? Yeah, twenty percent of the gross. Oh, twenty percent. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Other than the property management, what are some other costs to consider with Airbnb that you, you, you generally don't have to con consider with traditional investments? Uh, so again, just the maintenance, uh, whatever, you know, uh, any of your uh, supplies, stuff like that, you got to replenish. That's going to be an occurring cost. Nothing, nothing crazy, super small. You will have to cover utilities. So like a tenant rents all your space, they pay for utilities. In this case, you're still paying for utilities because okay. the Airbnb guys pay for it. Yeah. Uh, in in the form of a, you know, we're talking condos. I'm still paying maintenance. So would you as a regular landlord, though? Yeah. And um, like you know, we we have a we have TV and internet set up in there that we pay for. Um, and that's pretty much it. The guest pays for the cleaning fees. Yeah. And um, that's that's pretty much it. So in terms of additional costs, other than like property management, your utilities, uh, if you're in a condo, the maintenance, and maybe a slightly higher like just monthly repair and wear and tear fee. That's pretty much yeah. it. Hmm. Interesting. And the numbers I shared before are still after all of that. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. That's that's uh, kind of surprising to me, but like I could totally see why. Uh, the numbers are the way they are. I'm excited to hear about your Miami one after like 12 months. Yeah, I can't wait to get you'll, you'll see it all over my Instagram. I'm excited to get it. <laughs> That's what, October 1st, you said? Yeah, so I have the design team right now. We're just ordering the furniture. They're there, boots on the ground. They're putting it all together. Um, and... Uh, that's the goal, October 1st, up and running. Nice. So I wanted to ask you about that as well. Like, I, I see a massive opportunity for Airbnb rentals in the U.S. and places like Florida and Miami and, and places that are just busy all year round with tourists. Um, I, I don't want to go into too detail, obviously, but like, what's the general process as a Canadian buying uh, in, uh, in the U.S., let's just say? Um, what are gen the general checklist of items you need to look at well it's, it can be different everywhere like we're foreign investors so um luckily florida had a you know if you would go through td bank or rbc you're able to get away as a Canadian investor with 20 percent down i didn't know this going into it it was a big learning curve for me but yeah. just on paper you know generally speaking it's 25 to 30 percent for a foreign investor um so, you know, you, you might have to look at those things, make sure that makes sense for you because it's, it's a good chunk of change down, right? Yeah. And um, taxes are another big thing too, right? So you want to consult the cross-border accountant, consult your accountant, and make sure you're set up properly, whether it's a corporate structure or personally, like whatever makes more sense because if you intend on bringing that money back, you got to be aware of like double taxation, things like that. So a lot, a lot of due diligence for sure. Um, best thing is to talk to people who have done it people with experience because they'll be able to tell you what to do versus, you know, the trial and error. If you can, if you have access to that. Yeah. Um, I kind of took it all on my own. So I, I learned really quickly on my own, but I'm happy I did because now I can share and uh, it's a fun, stressful process, but it's very rewarding. Yeah. Other than the, the foreign uh, income tax that you also have to declare in Canada, is there any other tax? Um, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. I, I will learn as we go with yeah. it. We are currently 
setting it all up with our accountant properly with you know, corporations and corporations in Canada, holding companies, stuff like that in the States, LLCs um, to protect the asset. So um, I don't know off the top of my head how yeah. it would work until I experience it. But our intention is, and, I, and I, I, I did the Toronto property with a partner of mine, sorry, Florida. And our intention is to keep the money there because we want to keep scaling down there. Because down there, there's no regulations. There's no mm. real, um, you know, uh, resistance to the Airbnb game. It's pretty pretty wide open all year round. So, and just the Florida market in general, I feel like there's still a big opportunity to get in there. Um, considering what you can buy down there versus what you can buy here. Uh, I think it's a definitely a good time yeah. in the long run to get in nice. sooner rather than later. So the buying process then seems pretty straightforward. Like, you know, find a mortgage broker there, set up probably a bank account. Um, set up a bank account, find, you know, consult with a mortgage broker down there or, or a bank advisor. Uh, get your realtor down there. Get your lawyers down there. Close the deal. And that's it. Hmm. Interesting. That's, that's exciting, man. I'm excited to hear more about that one for sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and why Florida? You have, I guess, connections in Florida or? Yeah, you know, uh, personally, I love it. Um, travel there a lot between, you know, South in South Florida, Hallandale, Hollywood, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. Like, a, I have a lot of good real estate investor mentors that operate down there. They were from Toronto originally. So um, very trusted sources who are killing the game down there. And I'm just seeing what they're able to do. So why not? Why reinvent the wheel? I love right? They're down yeah. there. There's a lot of opportunity down there. That's awesome. I wanted to ask you earlier, which slipped my mind, but do you, when you, uh, when you uh, calculate your investments and your, your statements, do you keep a reserve each month or allocate a reserve for, I don't know, future big purchases that are needed? Like, I don't know, I guess it's different in a condo, but do you, do you, do you uh, have a line item as a reserve for just to like bank money for future? Um, I mean, with the Toronto property, it's everything I earn in there. I, I don't take any of it for myself. It's just, it stays there. Right. Uh, so it's, everything comes out of that one account. If there is any larger expense, I'm just going to use the, the funds from that because we've been able to build up a pretty good cushion now uh, with the profits. So, and that'll only grow. So yeah. there's, uh, I mean, whatever it is, we're just, we'll just allocate accordingly. That makes sense if you're just keeping it all in the account for sure. Nice. Uh, so what's the, what's the goal over the next 12 months? How many properties do you want to accumulate? Well, I'm doing uh, some rental arbitrage too. That's a totally different topic for Airbnb, but uh, in terms of purchasing, I definitely want to purchase one for sure. Um, if it makes sense. And maybe, you know, again, maybe partner with someone, maybe another one uh, depends on the opportunity. I feel like, you know, we're, we're on a, we're in a bit of a, we're at a time of opportunity right now. Absolutely. Time time to park some cash and to monitor and, and see what comes up because um, yeah, this, 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 these are the times where I agree. You know, you can really double, triple whatever you're doing before. So yeah, totally agree. Uh, We're in that window yeah, of all that. And then um, rental arbitrage is just find a landlord who's willing to give you their property. Um, and they agree that you can sublet it on Airbnb. You pay them their rent. And then you just keep the profits. Uh, so I was going to ask about that rental. So you're finding a landlord or finding an owner of a property and you're just renting it for them. 
And yeah, like I, I have some strategic relationships and partnerships I've done with developers, for example. So, you know, they have uh, multi-family buildings and um, they want to avoid the whole tenancy board and, and the issues that come with that. And we work out a partnership where we're going to give them their base rent that they would have gotten with okay. regular tenants. Hmm. Plus add a little bit of juice on top of that for them too. So they're, they're in turn making more. They don't have to worry about dealing with um, the whole landlord tenant board. And then us as the guys operating it for them will ideally keep the, the, the profits, right? I like that. So that yeah. that's, that's what it is. You go to a landlord, have them agree. Um, you sublet it on Airbnb whether it's furnished or not, that's, that's your own expense. And, um, you, you just guarantee them their base rent, maybe a little bit more just to entice them. Yeah. And then you just take your profits. That's it. I like that. That's, that's cool. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned it a couple of times, but like the tenancy board, like what, what are some of the, the negatives that come with that? Well, I mean, if good luck trying to evict, like tenants have all the rights, right? Like tenants are favored. So yeah. there's a lot of horror stories where, a tenant, like, have you heard of, people may have heard of professional tenants. Yeah. Right. So they, oh, yeah. know, they know the book inside and out, they'll go on a property, they won't pay you. They know the amount of time that they can get away with, or the amount of months they can get away with before something happens. Like uh, I, just, I just had a client who lost uh, six months worth of pay. I have my grandparents, they lost six months worth of pay and nothing they can do. Wow. Um, like it's more so the time to get everything dealt with. That time is money. Yeah. So yeah, like eventually, you know, these guys are clearly in breach. Um, you know, they will get evicted at a certain point, but that time in between that it takes from them, from the point you tell them to the point that they act, whether that's three, six months, eight months, that, that time is money lost. Yeah. So if you can avoid that risk, like, yeah, vet your potential tenant, like double check them, background check everything, but there's a lot of fraud out there. There's a lot of, you never really know. I've seen some candidates look amazing on paper and then they are like the worst tenant possible. So it's hard to really gauge from a credit score, from a job letter. Uh, for sure. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If anyone has ever hired for business, like you'll know what you, what you read on the CV and the resume, uh, you know, compared to when you speak to them and learn more about them could be like two totally different people, but um, 100%. yeah. After speaking to you now, learning more about Airbnb, I feel like the biggest like negative speaking to other people who are not so keen on this is just like uh, the, the biggest argument I've heard is like the headaches involved with it and like the upkeep. But it seems like in your case, like a company like Park Place, like alleviates that like fully. They're like seem to be this gold mine of a service. Listen, like there's, I have a buddy who kills it. He has, a, he has a cottage and they crush it. Like he, he has a, I think he's running like three, three of his own properties right now. He's a mortgage broker friend, killing it. Um, literally like living off his passive income, buying the sickest cars. Like the guy is crushing it, you know, and him and his wife, they love managing the property. They, they love the game. Yeah. They love going there. They love having their name as the host. They love getting their own work. Like they love that personally for me. I have this, this real estate for me on the investing side is passive. I'm, I'm big, built, big on building my own real estate brand and building a big in my own real estate business. And I personally just would rather um, hand off yeah. all that work to someone, pay them and not have to worry. Uh, I don't do like 
I don't do a thing prosthetic. I don't do anything. I literally have them doing from A to Z. I get my monthly invoice of my earnings. I do like to check and see where it's at for the month because it just it's fun to see in real time people booking your unit and we get notified when people do. But to do all that legwork, like if, if that's a worry for you, a consumer out there, like a, a potential investor out there, like it's not hard to just hire a trustworthy, reputable property management team, give them 20%, run your numbers before with 20% in mind. If it still makes sense, then why not? Because yeah, I, that whole stress factor, I, I don't have at all. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I'd be in the same boat if I was like I totally pass that on to to someone as well. But yeah, I could totally see others who who like the game and enjoy the process. So yeah, that's fair too. Out of anyone you've helped or people you know, what's the um, like best producing income wise uh, Airbnb that you've seen? Um, probably in Florida. It's like a thirty percent cash on cash. Wow. At least some of these properties, like you'll, you'll see, you know, depending on the purchase price, obviously, um, something like mine will do like, you know, 120 to 140,000 a year. Um, then there's, that's gross, right? Yeah. Then you have properties that are doing 465. I was in, I was in a $6 million house in Hallandale, Florida that generates $75,000 a month. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's crazy. That attracts celebrities. That attracts high net worth individuals. Like that, yeah. that's the clientele they're going for. They yeah. have a yacht parked on the back. Like they have a full service where you land, we got the car for you, we got the boat for you. Like it's a full concierge, right? So, I, I and based off the numbers, I think they were cash flowing like they were cash flowing multiple like multiple six figures. Jeez. Um, yeah. So, Florida's like the U.S. in general is just like a whole another animal, like. Just the money there compared to it's, Canada. It's interesting. Yeah, like a lot of us, like a lot of us, maybe we might defeat ourselves on the idea of branching off because it's like, what are the barriers to entry? It's like, who do I know? It's like, oh shit, like that's such a. I don't even want to bother because I gotta figure out. I gotta make contacts down there now. I can do all this, all these things. But when you look for it, like having the tools like social media and things like that, where you can easily access access people who who have done it, it's, uh, it's really not that bad. And I mean, the, the cap rates down there are way better. So just from a numbers perspective, like borders or traveling or barriers of entry aside, like from an investor yeah. standpoint, the numbers make way more sense down there. So if you could figure out the in-between, why not? Yeah, absolutely. And it feels like, um, I haven't been too active. Look, I, I look at real estate everywhere, but like, it seems like properties in Florida are still compared to Toronto, way more affordable. Is that accurate? Oh, very, yeah, very, I mean, they had their boom. They, they just, they had their boom, but, uh, they're a little behind where we're at now. We're seeing this, we've already, you know, experienced the correction. We're still experiencing correction, um, down there, there, because the demand with like Florida has become a hotspot with, with, you know, during the pandemic and everything, because the way their the system is governed down there, like if they're, they're wide open. So a lot of people who didn't want to be in lockdown, a lot of people started to move down there. A lot of people permanently moving down there. So I mean, there's big changes going on down, down there down there. It's already boosted the market up, but yeah. even with their hot market and I bought at the peak and it still made way more sense for me. Yeah. Do, do you worry at all about the, 
uh, tourism coming into Canada right now. Obviously, it, it just Canada seems to be like the most difficult place for people to come into with like all the the BS you have to do. Arrive can this and that vaccinations. Like, do you, does that worry you at all? Like long term? I mean, all right, my this unit, my Toronto unit, still did it really well. Like, did amazing, um, even with all these things. Right. Last yeah. year with lockdown, a lot more difficult. You had you couldn't physically fly into the country or fly out unless it's like for a really uh, specific situation. Yeah. That was different. Are most yeah, of your are most of your guests uh from like suburbs of Toronto just coming in for the weekend or people from out of country or province or people want to experience the city for the weekend, people who are visiting for work, people who are visiting for events. Um there's so much going on in Toronto, like especially this year now that it's been open. Um, you know, like there's different there's different music festivals, there's different, uh, uh, you know, cultural festivals. There's like so much going on all the time that it's going to attract some sort of demographic that yeah. want to experience that festival, whether they're a local person from Vaughan, for example, who wants to come and experience Rolling Loud, or it's uh, someone from New York who wants to come to the International Film Festival. Yeah, um, that's true. It could be really anyone. So it's a good mix. There's not one more than the other, basically. Yeah, that's awesome. That's good stuff. Is there anything else that like, I feel like I didn't ask or like is important with Airbnb? No, I think we touched on everything. Um, it's definitely a learning curve. I would suggest, you know, definitely grabbing someone who understands the game, ask your questions, like you doing this kind of podcast is valuable. I'm sure people learned a lot. I'm still learning. Um, if anyone's looking to get help with it, you can reach out to me too. Um, but uh, yeah, I think we covered most of it really. Yeah, I think so too. That's awesome. Um, I know we're recording this on a long weekend, so I don't want to take up more of your time, but uh, I really do appreciate it. I think a lot of people listening are going to get a ton of value. I know I did. Uh, so I wanted to speak to you. So thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And uh, maybe we can do this. Like, we should do this again sometime because I'd love to learn about uh, Miami after a few months and get some insights on that. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on. It's um, I'm a big podcaster myself, so I definitely. Uh, I know. Yeah. So if someone, I didn't even ask like before, like to introduce yourself because I feel like people, a lot of people listening to my podcast are the realtors. Like, you're pretty well known, but like you know, where can people find you? Um, yeah. So. Instagram is at Matt Campoli, M-A-T-T-C-A-M-P-O-L-I. Um, I have a real estate niche podcast uh, called Price to Sell Podcast. Um, also have another podcast with some friends that's just more entrepreneurial, inspirational, motivational, touch on everything really. That's called It's Simple Podcast. What's that one called? It's Simple. It's podcast. Simple. Okay, nice. Just, yeah, go on my Instagram. All my links to everything are there. I am a Toronto realtor. Um, I can also help you in Florida now as well. Nice. If anyone's looking to get into the Airbnb game from an investor standpoint, I can help you from start to finish in both places. Amazing. So, Do you have a license in Florida as well? No, it's it's something that I've been offered a sponsorship. Um, uh, it's something I probably could get my hands on and probably will in the future. But for now, I have uh, realtor partners I work very closely with uh, down there that uh, know the game very well, like myself. Nice. So Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be in touch. Thanks so much, Matt. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, all the best and best of luck. Yeah, thanks so much, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Me.
Thanks again.